Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello. It's, uh, it's, what a crazy week for announcements, right? Yeah, I, so we're recording this a little bit later this week because we wanted to take some time, let uh, Sony put out what they were, what they were going to put out for the PS5. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I can't believe it's Friday already. It's so weird because I'm used to recording on Tuesday. So part of my head is like, oh my God, I have so much week left. It's like, oh no, wait, it's the weekend. Hooray. (laughs) And for those that are wondering... Because Sony did a bunch of announcements on Thursday, that's pretty much the majority of what we're going to talk about. So we we should be back. I, I think we are planning to be back on our normal Tuesday next week. So yes, with, we are. With everything else that has happened or is happening, because there's a bunch of stuff going on this weekend with the PC gaming show, which should have at least one thing to talk about. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> Usually it's a bit of a... That show's a bit of a bummer, but... Um, yeah, I don't want to include it with the Sony stuff because it you're you're competing with, well, you're competing with the new generation of consoles. It's kind of hard to compete with that. Absolutely. So uh, we do have a little little bit of an aside before we yeah. get into uh, the future of the PlayStation Five presentation. But Ryan, you wanted to talk a little bit about Dread Nautical this week. Yeah. Speaking of uh, what I just, I, I apologize in how I set this up and competing with what is the PlayStation Five announcement, but I did want to talk about a small game just so we didn't we we didn't just do a a PlayStation special. A whole news, yeah, a whole news yeah. episode. <laughs> just give some for people to check out now. Dread Nautical. Uh, I have been playing it on the Nintendo Switch. It just launched on consoles um, not too long ago. I think in like late April. So I've had this one for a, for a little bit, and I've been playing it on and off. It actually launched on Apple Arcade back in the fall. So if you have an iOS device, you may have you may already be familiar with this. Uh, you might have tried it in your in your Apple Arcade free trial, or if you kept your subscription going. But um, Dread Nautical is a sort of roguelike style gameplay tactics based, uh, where you are traversing a ship that is uh, has rooms that are randomly generated as you go through them and uh on that ship are various kinds of zombies that you're you're asked to take care of and there's like a bunch of different weapons so there's like uh there are you know firearms there are brooms that you can use with longer reach for melee and you can push people back with that and then there are obviously like stabby weapons with the with the beer bottles and the knives and stuff (laughs) um and it's just this small little uh little tactics game that that i've been playing on the switch and and just having kind of a blast with it 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 very much you do you do get the sense that this has been ported over um, from from what Apple Arcade uh, the what you're used to there. So there is this sort of upresed um, iOS feel to it, but uh, I don't think it really gets in the way of of the gameplay they're trying to present to you because it very much feels like a tactics game as you're going through. So you're exploring room by room. And as you go through these rooms, the point of it is to uh, collect a bunch of stuff because there's, you know, weapons and gear and stuff you're trying to find as you're going through. And then all your weapons, you're going to love this, all your weapons, all your gear has a lifespan uh, and will will uh, be destroyed if you don't repair it in between uh, levels, we'll say. So if you're not repairing your gear, uh, it's going to it's going to disappear as you use it and and exhaust its uh, sort of charges. 
and the whole point of every level is to go through and find the foghorn at the end so get to the front of the ship or the bow i believe as it's referred Ooh. to yeah i've learned some some nautical terms i was uh, gonna say yeah the bow the is, game. is literally the name for it yeah no, <laughs> it's no. not just they didn't make it up for this no they didn't is that what it sounded like <laughs> Yeah, it sounded like you were like, well, this is what they've chosen to call the no, front no, no. of a ship. I don't know if it's going to catch on, but... I don't know if any people from work listen to this, but I know what a bow is, okay? Like, okay. Uh, uh, a stern, a starboard, a left. I got them all. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's starboard. What's the other one? Port. <laughs> Port, thank you. I was going to say starboard. Nailed it. Starboard. it. Starboard and starboard, yeah. Yelling that in a storm, that's really going to come I out mean, well. I mean, you never know. At least maybe they'll chuckle before they fall to their doom. <laughs> Anyways, um, Dreadnautical, let's not get too far away from this because yeah, I don't want to get in the way of uh, of our PlayStation news here. But um, the whole point of, of this game is to try to figure out what's going on with this ship because you've been trapped in what appears to be the Bermuda's Triangle. You're trying to figure out why all these zombies appeared, why all the strange things are happening on this boat. And you kind of wake up. And this like redneck guy like is there and he's like, hey, you know, like what you doing here? We got to work together to get out of here. He doesn't do anything. He just stays in your home base and kind of like gives you tips. And he sends you out to explore each level of the boat. And there appears to be many, many levels. And as you're going through these levels, you're you're coming across other survivors and you're trying to convince them to come back to your to your home base. Uh, and you need to make sure you have like a you've built up like a free bed for them to stay in. And there's um, other things you can build up like uh, upgrading your gear and upgrading uh, your talents and your leveling skills. So there's a lot of strategy in the um, what what we were what I've referred to in the XCOM stuff is like sort of the meta the the meta game. So when you're outside of the the normal crunch of going through the levels, you're in the meta game of like building up your home base, you know, leveling up your characters, repairing your your equipment and your weapons and stuff to go back out and uh, traverse these zombies. And even though this is a game that's been that started on Apple Arcade and has now come to the consoles, it's not for the faint of heart. Like this is a tactics game, and if you go in just trying to like plow through it you're gonna die your character's gonna die and it is a roguelike in the sense that when you die you have to start the level over again like you it resets that whole level so if you die in the final room before you get to the foghorn you're doing that whole level all over again if you want to keep going so there have been moments where i've gotten near the end and, and i do die and it's like ah man that's frustrating <laughs> but that's the type of but game it's it is. frustrating like good or like frustrating fun kind of uh not frustrating fun it's frustrating like it, i think it's it, it it comes with the territory of these games that it it, it is the it, it's the traversal of that sort of moment that that gives you that oh man i did it and i don't think it makes the the feeling of failure any sweeter in the moment right it's only at the end when you've you've hit that wall you've hit that wall like we've all played these games and and we've i think on this show we've mostly fallen on the side of like we don't like not having fun so there have been moments where when you're hitting that wall it, you have to step back and then try it again and, and i think i've had a few moments like that where i'm hitting that wall and i just i get through a whole level and then i open a door and there's like three special type zombies 
And I'm just like, how am I supposed to take them out? Like, I've, I don't have enough stuff here. So there's strategy to the whole thing. But yeah, when you hit that wall, it, it is, fr- it's not a fun frustrating because you are sent, sent back. And it's, it's a slower pace game, like because it started on, I think, Apple Arcade, the pace is a little, is a little, uh, it's a little slower than what you'd expect from sort of XCOM or even Gears Tactics. So you're, you are trudging through this boat at some points. And if you are forced to repeat that, it can get a little sluggish, but I think where, the game makes up for that is in its in its charm of of these uh these characters that you're coming across like for example you come across the the captain and you can pretty much guess how he sounds and looks he's like ripped straight off a a cereal box it's crazy um and you run across the the mechanic lady who is you know scottish red-haired you know maiden who's just you know gives no f's and just uh says like (laughs) oh you're here i'll teach you how to make a bomb and i'm like all right great let's do it you know so it's uh it's a really interesting game and if you're looking for something a little smaller like a little more bite-sized when it comes to the tactics uh side of things i think it's a really good distraction um from some of the bigger titles that are that are currently available like xcom chimera squad or gears tactics like i was planning to move on to gears tactics when i had finished xcom chimera squad but I felt like this was a good sort of break, uh, so I wasn't jumping into another large tactics game. Like Treadnauticals, been a nice sort of break from the from the big, huge experiences. So it's it's nice. It's a it's a bite size, and I mean, I recommend checking it out if if you have Apple an iOS device, or if you want to check it out on the Switch. It run, like the load times are a little long on on the Switch, but it's uh, it's still a lot of fun. Well, it sounds it sounds interesting. Anyways, I mean, you're always way more into the zombie games than I am, but I I also do like a challenge. So maybe is, this is yeah. maybe this is something that's more up my alley, just because it's on Switch. And I guess you said mobile too, right? So it, it is on mobile. It is on Switch. Like I think that uh, it, I played it mostly in docked, and again, like or sorry, mostly in handheld, and it, and it works really well. It's a fun handheld game and the controls map really well i mean if if you played any of the apple arcade stuff they made a point in saying like try to make your game compatible with a controller also touch but controller as well so it does port really well to the controller feel um so if you've played xcom or whatever on a on a on a on a console you're not going to be surprised when you play this and you're like oh the the button layout works quite well it's just because they've mapped um the movement of the character uh you know the square based you know movement of these characters to the control stick it can feel a little sluggish as you're trying to maneuver through the rooms but that that goes against what i've what i've said is like if you try to like push through the, through those rooms you're going to run into scenarios that are going to put you down on on your butt right so you have to be mindful of not moving too quickly through it but it is a it is a challenge, but it's also fun. Like the charm of these characters and them taking this seriously, but not so seriously that, that they're not cracking jokes and stuff. And it's not your typical zombie, you know, they're more, um, they're, they're zombies, but they're, they're kind of just monsters really. Um, and they don't get into the whole, like, Oh, I'm going to eat your brains and we got to run from this horde kind of thing. It's, it's very much like these are monsters and they've taken over this, this ship 
and you're really just trying to figure out what is going on. Like there's some right. sort of curse or something. So yeah, it's, it's a good break. So, uh, so yeah, you guys should go and, uh, and check that out. If you like Ryan are on a tactical gaming kick right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but before we move into the PS5 news, wanted to remind everybody that we are still looking for our June patron. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in, uh, and yeah, we've got just so freaking much to talk about with PlayStation 5 this week. So mm -hmm. essentially, um, I was kind of expecting a little bit more uh, presentation, but it was basically just like, here are all the trailers for every game that we're going to have to announce for the PlayStation 5. Go, 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 one after another. It was uh, intense. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, when I was watching it. So the other thing, it was it was on at four o'clock, so which is not a great right. time for me. So I got to watch <laughs> the first half hour uninterrupted. Then it was I had to cook dinner. So I was kind of popping in and out afterwards. And uh, there were some lulls in terms of this presentation was very much geared towards uh, all folks that play video games not just yeah. our taste like there was some sports there was some um there was some family stuff there was some kids stuff and and they and they didn't go too far into the i think the probably the most mature they had was resident evil village and even then that was pretty tame by resident evil standpoints but it was a very much an all ages presentation um outside of a couple of games that were that were more i had to shoo caden out, out of the room because <laughs> i mean he, he could watch pretty much the whole thing outside of a couple of games that they highlighted um mm -hmm. but yeah it was uh it was varied and i think this is what we were waiting for from both sony and microsoft and i think i think that's the core thing where it's like okay now everyone is expecting Microsoft to do what Sony did. They've set the bar, I think, not like crazy high, but they've set the bar, like the expectations, like I'd say normal to above average expectations. Like I don't think it went, it was crazy off the wall. Like this is about what I what I expected, right, from, from Sony uh, in terms yeah, of Yeah, I was actually, I was a little bit surprised. And I mean, I guess that I know why they do it, but, um, I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't like all the console information, like up front and mm. then all the games. Cause they kind of flipped that, right? Like they, um, very much did their, their console reveal right at the very end, mm -hmm. which, um, I mean, I get it. Like, you want people to stick around and watch the whole video, I guess. And one way to do that is put what everybody's waiting for, which is, you know, the reveal of the box, put that at the end. So people have to stick around and, and, you know, all of your games get an equal amount of, of showcasing, I guess. But uh, yeah, I was expecting them to like come out at the very beginning and be like, tell us things like in particular, two pieces of information that we didn't get which is uh, release date and price. We mm -hmm. got to actually see the console, which was exciting because this console design is super freaking cool. Although it does kind of remind me of like going back to like the original like white Xbox 360. <laughs> like that's yeah. kind of the the like small, big at the top, then like almost like an hourglass kind of shape. Like that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> and I mean, if, if we want to do the opposite of what they did and just talk about yeah the let's hardware. just talk about the console yeah. the hardware right up front i think like when you when they unveiled it um i 
first of all, I like I like the design. I I, I think it looks cool, and and that's not something I expected I expected from consoles. I think after it looks like something that I would like want to put on my shelf. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like a conversation piece. It's, it looks <laughs> yeah. like it's so much different than just like a straight up black rectangle box. Yeah, and I know a lot of people saying like, oh, "How is this gonna fit with my entertainment system and all my other black boxes?" And I'm like, eh, "Who cares?" Honestly, like from an aesthetic standpoint, I do understand. You know, if you want to keep things, you know, looking the way you've got them, but honestly, I I like things that stand out. It doesn't usually bother me, and I think the white, uh, the white and black and the blue, it looks great. It's very PlayStation. But when I first saw these these renderings uh, in the trailer, I was thinking to myself, like, this is what this is what the Internet comes up with to as a placeholder. <laughs> right. Do you, I don't know if you remember back when the Wii was was being announced. They did this thing where they revealed the con- the controller first. And even before then, they were talking about the concept of what the Wii could be. And it was very much not anything we've ever we've ever heard or seen before. And the concepts that people were coming up with for the system look very much or at least close to this like weird futuristic look. I mean, there's a reason that consoles don't look like this. And there's a reason that PCs are just big black rectangles is because it's easy to fit components into a certain uh, format. And when you look at this sort of design and and uh, even laptop design, when you start to change the form factor, you have to change the way you fit the guts in. And that's where I look at this. And I think to myself, like, it's really cool that when they, so they have a discless version, a digital edition, it's really cool that they, they take the disc drive out and you get a new form factor because that's not what you got with the, with the discless, discless, uh, Xbox they did. Um, it, it didn't change the form factor at all. So I'm really excited by the fact that they, they have gone that route of like, no, we're taking hardware out and we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to use that space. We're going to, we're going to make it more of a, like a slim tower. It looks really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'd almost abandon discs just to have the cooler looking console. <laughs> well, and that's, that's kind of the big conversation being had around the PS5 right now is that, you know, are you going to go like, which version are you going to go with? Are we ready for you know, discless gaming. And I think that there's a really a lot of people who come from a more collector standpoint that we heard a lot of when we were having a similar conversation about GameStop mm-hmm. is like, are we in a place where we want to get rid of discs? And it's like, well, a lot of people enjoy having like a collection, a physical collection, um, even to the point that we heard from people saying, you know, like I, I will buy a very cheap digital version of a game. And if I really like it, I'll go out and find a hard copy of it so that I can display it on my bookcase type Mm -hmm. of thing. So those people do exist for sure. Um, I, for one, will be going all digital because I I don't even know. Like, I think the the Switch games are the only ones that I still have physical versions of. Mm -hmm. And even then, it's only like half of them. Yeah, and then with the Switch, it's it's just more convenient to have the cart sometimes because that that uh, the storage on the unit, even with the, the SD card option, is very it, you're it's limited. It's very small. Yeah, um, exactly. But you know, for me, I under I like having the disc option in the sense that it gives me more avenues to purchase a game. Uh, so I might be able to buy something um, digitally at the $80 price tag, but I could get the same game physically if I pre-order it for less money. So there are those things as well. But I mean, 
from from the standpoint of aesthetics and we don't know price i mean a lot of people are assuming that we'll get the digital edition at a lower cost because you're removing hardware and i mean a lot of people are saying that the difference which, would be about 50 bucks but which i mean and again we we don't have uh tech specs no. or anything but i'm kind of in the camp that i wonder if they're going to end up doing um like the same price regardless of edition because they'll give us a larger hard drive on the digital only version. So you'll get a smaller hard drive capacity because you have the ability to use a disc on the one mm -hmm. version. And then the other version will have no disc. So you don't have that option, but they'll give you a bigger hard drive to compensate. And I'm wondering if those things will just kind of balance themselves out in terms of uh, like cost. So both editions will just be the same price. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I like that idea in the sense that having a larger built-in hard drive is very important with the PS5 because the they are talking up their hard drive uh, technologies. And when, when they talk about uh, external hardware and external drives, there's a lot of talk in that like tech piece, that canceled GDC presentation they put out about how if you have an external drive, which they do support them, it still requires the game to be sort of run off the internal drive because that's that's part of the core function. Um, now they are saying that down the road, you'll be able to replace the internal drive like that. They're not locking you out of that, but it'll have to be a very specific type of drive, which is very expensive. So yeah, if, if I can buy the digital edition and get like an extra 500 gigabytes to a terabyte, um, I, I think the, the cost of a disk drive, you're probably looking at an extra 500 gigabytes. That's, that's a big deal. Like that's gonna be four games, right? Um, yeah and you know that's uh that's a big that's a big deal especially with the digital only edition like that's your only option right well and that's kind of the thing that's what i i feel like they need to compensate for the fact that it's digital only i don't think that you can just straight up remove a disk drive and call it done because you're then saying the only way you can use this system is by using the hard drive so other like if my hard drive is too small then basically i'm going to have to keep re-downloading my games over and over and over again and mm -hmm. deleting them when I'm done playing for the time being. So, and especially if I'm the kind of gamer, I mean, we had the the discussion at the kind of end of 2019 when we were talking about what we were going to be excited for in 2020 and how I was basically saying, you know, if you're a game as a service, like screw off, I don't have time for you in 2020 because I, I'm already committed to too many. I do mm -hmm. Hearthstone, I do Warcraft, I do Dead by Daylight, I do Sea of Thieves, like I do... All of these games take up a significant amount of my gaming time every week and they are constantly adding DLCs and expansions and new content and everything else. So, you know, they're these constantly evolving experiences. Those aren't the kind of games I would be able to delete off a console. So, you know, it's more so along the lines of like um, the single player experiences. Those are the kind of things that I would like play through and then potentially delete and replace. And then if you know, say days gone, for instance, you know, I'm done air quotes with that game right now. So if they ever like I could technically probably take it off my console. But then if I do that and they release like a DLC, some additional story or whatever, then I have to redownload the whole game. And that's fine if you have a fast Internet connection and if you have unlimited data. But as soon as you get close to any kind of cap, that's going to create some serious problems for a digital only version unless you have a hard drive that is large enough to support saving and keeping you know many 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 
50 to 100 gig games, right? Mm -hmm. So that thing has to be really big. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right. Like, I don't, I don't think Sony or Microsoft is looking at a discless edition of their console and saying, "Yeah, let's save the consumer fifty bucks." Like, I don't think that that's worth the trade off for for Sony and and Microsoft. They'd probably rather put the ten dollar disc drive in and charge you the extra fifty bucks. Um, I, those numbers are just ones I've pulled out of my hat. Like, I, I don't know if that's real, <laughs> probably too low, but you get the idea. Like it doesn't benefit Microsoft or Sony. Uh, well, actually outside of forcing you to buy directly from them, which gets them more money. So maybe that's, that's their benefit. But really like from a consumer standpoint, if you say, oh, well, you, it's the same cost, but you get nothing in return. There's gotta be a reason for it. So it's either going to be, mm -hmm. I, I hope you're right. I hope it's the hard drive because that hard drive sounds pretty amazing in what it can do in terms of what they're saying so uh yeah it's um i like the design i like i like when people do something new like when the switch was i love i love the switch i love the way the, the switch looks i love that it's different from my other consoles um i don't love that the kids can like grab it and pull it out and throw it around like that's that is like a nightmare <laughs> i have but um yeah, I'm I'm cool with different, and I'm glad. And we knew it was going to be different based on just the controller looking different. But uh, yeah. I did not expect this. This is like a it's very futuristic internet concept art type stuff. So I'm mm -hmm. really interested to see how this thing runs. And this is also uh, speaking of the controller. The controller is also bigger and beefier, kind of, than I realized because I saw like a side by side cut that essentially assumed that the uh, the four buttons were the same size and that they hadn't changed and just put it up against the uh, PlayStation 4 controller. And it's a lot bigger, like in a good way. It reminds me more of the size of like the Xbox controller. So I am totally down for this. The only thing I'm hoping is that they eventually offer it in different colors because I'm not down with the white. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think you've got a lot of opportunity there for, for different colors. And I mean, I... I will st state right off the bat as like, I don't know. I don't, I'm still unsure if I'm picking up a next gen console at launch, let alone the PS five. And I think I'm on board with waiting for a different color. I mean, I don't know what color, like, am I going to go back on what I just said and say, yeah, I'll just get the, <laughs> get the black one. The so, black version, so it matches yeah. everything I have. Um, Cause, well, I don't yeah. mind. I don't mind the white of the console. I don't like the white on the controllers just oh. because I've had white controllers before and they just get so spudgy and so dirty. Like they're so much worse than the black ones. Now, I mean, that's just because the black ones are basically hiding the dirt that is still there. Oh, yeah. But it's just so much more visible on the white ones. So I don't think you have to worry. They're going to want to sell you as many colored controllers as possible. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would imagine... I think even at the PS4 launch or shortly after, yeah, I remember shortly after it was a big deal. It was like maybe three months later, it's like, hey, now you can buy an orange one, you know? So it won't, I don't think it'll take long before they'll let you buy a second controller, Jocelyn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and we should, we should also talk about the other accessories that were revealed because uh -huh. there were quite a lot of them. So um, we, they revealed a like two controller charging dock, which looks really cool. The dock looks um, nice, yeah. Yeah, the dock looks really nice. There's a media remote, which is also great. Um, that's one thing that I normally don't really enjoy when I'm trying to do something on the console. I don't really, now that we have so many other ways to watch content, um, I hate navigating with the controller when I'm trying to navigate like more traditional um, 
media consumption things like well netflix is a perfect like op or perfect example like i just oh the controller is so annoying well the to controller try to disconnects you go to well, oh, well <laughs> i gotta go to i gotta go um do something urgently fill in the blanks folks it can be whatever you want and um <laughs> you know go get the kid or something maybe the kid is has pooped or something anyways you don't you yeah get, the oh, kid. I, gotta, I gotta grab the control <laughs> the dog <laughs> the cat the goldfish whatever uh whatever gets you out of the room and forces you to try to turn that controller on in a, in a drastic rush and it's like oh my god just turn on i need a posit you know, um, and it, it doesn't, it's, I don't, I've never owned a media remote for my consoles and, and I, I know a lot of people swear by them and there was a PS4 one, there is an Xbox one, one, um, and it just, it seemed like an added cost to me, but if you are, I don't use my consoles for, for media consumption, but if you are, people swear by those, by those controllers because they're, they're always on, they're directly connected to the console. Uh, a lot of remotes these days are Bluetooth, so I find they work a lot. I still try, I still point the controller at the device because that's ingrained in me. And you know, when my mm-hmm. kids get older, it's like they can like do trick shots with the remote, and it's all Bluetooth. And it's like, well, back in my day, there were actual trick shots, bouncing <laughs> bouncing IR rays off of mirrors and stuff. Don't look into that. I don't know if that's true, but I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it looks great. I'm a little worried about the buttons now that we talk, we're talking about the accessories on these controllers. Like all the buttons are like translucent and they kind of get mm-hmm. lost. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Do you look at the controller when you play? Not not normally, but but here's the thing. You know, I've been uh, I've been trying to teach Caden and Abigail so how to play video games. Now. <laughs> oh, I see. And so from a teaching standpoint, it's yeah. But but yeah, but from a media remote, uh, you'd probably want to be able to quickly glance at the buttons because there's so many of them. But no, from a controller standpoint, they look really cool. And I mean, the headphones look really nice as well. Uh, the Sony obviously makes great headphones and their gaming headphones have been really are really good as well. I have a wireless, um, the, the gold one that launched around, I think, the original Destiny. Like it's an older version, but it worked really well at the time. Um, and their wireless technology synced to the PS4 works really well. So official headphones is really really, great. Yeah, and I'm really interested about the both the headphones and the camera because they seem to be kind of geared towards potentially streaming. Um, They have dual 1080p lenses in this HD camera. Plus they're really pushing their, um, like in the headset itself, it's got noise-canceling microphones. So again, like they they really seem to be um, upping the the game of you know whether you're streaming or whether you're just in a party chat. Like there there's a lot of accessories here that are really really interesting. So and this I don't think it has anything to do with um, like it's not like the PlayStation Move or anything like this isn't um, anything mm. like that. This is just straight up cameras to capture your living room, I guess. But um, yeah, the, yeah, I don't know if. I would imagine the new camera would be compatible with the existing uh, PSVR because the existing PSVR is compatible with the PS5. Right. Um, but uh, I would imagine that this new camera is future proof for whatever PSVR 2 uh, that eventually comes out. Um, 
and and it, so again like if you're buying that like i don't know if it's if it's worth purchasing right now but when but investing in it if you're into the the playstation vr landscape you're probably going to want to get ones before they launch the new um psvr because they were so hard to find uh when the psvr came out you basically had to buy a bundle right to to have all the equipment but mm-hmm. um yeah i mean cameras yeah with streaming they are they're doing like the sort of the microphone on the controller and the noise canceling to only pick up your voice so i it wouldn't surprise me if both microsoft and sony really really uh drive a line to to try to do the streaming uh better than they've done in the past like i think the ps4 and xbox one just worked but it wasn't on par with what you could do on a computer and, and proper software. Oh yeah, not even close, not even so, close. And I think that the the other part of that in terms of streaming is they talked about, um, well, I guess it was quite a while ago when we first saw the controller, but how they were, it wasn't just a share button anymore. It was like a create button that they were gonna mm-hmm. make that it was built right into the controller. So I think that they're taking a lot more of content creation actually like they're building it into the experience of using these new consoles so it's not necessarily going to just be push a button and send your screen live twitch i think you're going to be able to actually do a lot more uh built into the console so i think you're going to be able to do something like add a camera you're going to be able to move things around on your screen and show your chat and yeah. crop things and you know edit and all that kind of stuff i think is is going to be built right into the console and i'm looking forward to to hearing more about that from sony's end because i think it's um something that it's kind of it's like yeah it's about time i guess is, mm-hmm. is kind of what i'm going with like they they very much did the base minimum that they could possibly do (laughs) in terms of sharing previously and i would be very interested to see what microsoft because i think they've they've always been a little bit ahead of of sony i mean they own a streaming platform with mixer so i would expect them to to put uh, their stronger foot forward there because i think the xbox one streaming settings were a lot more robust than what playstation was it all did the basic stuff don't get me wrong but i think microsoft just had one one foot forward as opposed to what Sony had, which was very, very basic. But um, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, I'm excited to know more about the hardware specifically. And they do say they have more to talk about when it comes to that. And the price, like I think the only thing I saw in terms of price is that one retailer was taking pre-orders um, and it was, I think PlayAsia, I think it's a website. And they were, they were listed at $700 US. Now, mind you, that might just be them going like high it's not gonna high, be more than yeah. this and then they'll refund obviously the pre-order but yeah because i thought yeah. that the price that we had leaked um a little bit a little while ago was 600 us but anyways it's still it's still gonna be pricey it's gonna be the most expensive console and i think that this is gonna go for both uh ps5 and xbox mm-hmm. it's gonna be the most expensive console that we've ever purchased but they are also both sounding like this might be one of their last entries like and go more of like the apples and window operating systems Mm -hmm. in that like you buy a ps5 or you buy an xbox and you just upgrade it like this is the last shell they're gonna make and they're just gonna let us keep buying pieces that will go into it and upgrade 
Yeah, I mean, Sony did speak to in this video about generational leaps, and they they still feel strongly about that. Um, what that means in five to seven years, who knows? But I think when you, I was thinking about this in terms of price. Oh, we didn't get the price, but then I was, I was thinking to myself like, wait, like, I can pay, let's say it's six hundred dollars Canadian. I pay, I pay six hundred dollars Canadian for this box that is gonna play every game. Um, that comes out for the PlayStation 5 for the next six to seven years. If you think about a launch PS4, you can play Final Fantasy VII Remake on that thing, and you bought it seven years ago. Like, I don't think you can say that uh, about many pieces of equipment, you know? Yeah. Um, and and it, so from a from a value standpoint, even a computer, like, yeah, you're spending two grand on all the parts, but you're probably not going to have to replace many parts to keep playing games. You might have to replace the video card every three or four years. But when you think about a, a high-end computer purchasing, yeah, it's expensive, but you have to think about how much you're using it and how often and how much you can do with it for how many years. And I think when a console, you are going to be able to play every PS5 game and every PS4 game on this PS5 until you want to upgrade it. Um, yeah. And, and generations are now six to seven years. So that's a big deal. So uh, I think the cost factor up front, yeah, it's a big pill to swallow. But um, I don't think it's as um, it's as bad. Uh, it's as bad as as um, uh, most people would say. But yeah, it is a lot of money up front. It, it feels like a lot for sure. Absolutely. And so they have to have a very good reason for that. And they have to have a big draw outside of the hardware. And mm -hmm. so that's what the majority of this event was about, was trying to prove to people that it was going to be worth buying a PlayStation 5. And I don't want to cover absolutely everything because there was literally an hour's worth of like two to four minute trailers. <laughs> so I don't yeah. want to cover each and every one or we'll be here all night. But um, there are a few that I want to highlight and first and foremost, um, Resident Evil Village, mm. because I am, I don't play the Resident Evil games cause I think they're too scary. They are. I'm interested in the franchise. I usually am, but then I'm just like, oh, you know, it's like zombie stuff or whatever, but this looks like so interesting and so cool. And it's like all about like witches and stuff, or at least that's what it looks like. And I don't know. I'm I was really intrigued by this trailer to the point that like it makes me want to go and try to play some of the older Resident Evil titles to get caught up because Village is going to be a direct sequel to seven, if I understand correctly. Yeah. So is it, it is a direct sequel to seven. I never finished seven. I think when they transitioned from six to seven with the first person view, it was uh, it was a lot scarier. And a yeah. <laughs> in my mind, a lot more difficult. I had more difficulty with the game in terms of probably because I was more scared. So I was I was struggling to, to actually, uh, you know, survive, um, which I think <laughs> is what they were going for. So when people when you, we, you, you mentioned you were thinking of checking out the franchise, I highly recommend checking out the remakes they did of two and three, specifically two. Uh, starting there is a good point because you're going to get it when the steam sale comes out, it, it, it'll be very uh, inexpensive, but um, I, this is going to sound like an excuse that people use for other types of media or, or mediums, but the puzzles are really good too. Like if you play it for the puzzles 
and not for the the horror genre of it. Like, the puzzles are really cool. I actually really enjoy the inventory management and you know solving these these puzzles of um, you know placing certain items in certain places and doing uh, even seven had the puzzle as well. There was like a shadow uh, box mechanic where you had to like line up an object just right to unlock the door. There's a lot of that sort of puzzle solving in in these games, which I think a lot of people really enjoy but the fact that they unveiled resident evil 8 uh resident evil village is as a direct sequel to 7 is interesting because they are continuing with what was really popular with 7 which was the first person view and and they're kind of expanding upon it so this is going to have more open areas it's going to have werewolves uh which Mm -hmm. is crazy and some of the reactions you saw early on in this trailer the the sort of facial animations it's a big deal like it looks crazy realistic and i think that's going to serve this specific genre really well in this generation with like horror and just trying to freak you out man yeah i I feel like the the more detail and the more accuracy i guess like the less uncanny valley stuff that you can get with a lot of the faces in horror horror is one of those genres where like it really really matters because Mm -hmm. you can make a a face that's like slightly off just enough to make the person watching feel off put and that can be part of your story or you can totally screw it up because the tech isn't there and then they just look goofy so i think more than possibly any other genre the kind of shapes and emotions that you portray in horror can go very right or very wrong and you know it's the difference between wow that was a really great entry into a horror franchise or well that was really stupid like it's kind of it's one of the most polarizing genres in that way so i really think that um they're they've got technology on their side for this one and i mean even just the screenshot like i'm looking at a screenshot from it right now that's just like a, a witch's face that's like half hooded and you can't really see her eyes all you can see is her like super creepy smile and like sunken mm-hmm. cheeks and stuff and man it just it looks so so cool so i'm i'm really looking forward to this in a way that like i might actually play if nothing else i might watch someone's let's play of it so that i don't actually have to be the one marching the character forward because that's always what i struggle with in a horror game yeah i played uh i played a good portion of resident evil 7 during a extra life stream maybe a couple years ago and that that game is it's a lot of fun it's very resident evil uh, and you'll, again, when the Steam sale rolls around next week, you'll you'll be able to pick it up for next to nothing if you do want to try it. Um, but uh, with a lot of games that are going to come up in our discussions, it's probably important to note that this game will be coming to Xbox One and PC, or sorry, Xbox Series X. I got to get better at that. This is a new generation of consoles. So Xbox Honestly, Series X. Honestly, I yeah. forget the name of the Xbox all the time. Like... I'd, yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, we'll get there. And it's like it's like writing a writing like checks PS5 in the next year, easy. right? Yeah, PS5 <laughs> is easy cuz it's it's the next PlayStation. Um but uh and there will be more information about Resident Evil Village in August. So they've already announced that it's coming to the uh, Xbox, it's coming to PC and uh more information in august uh of this year so uh, it again looks really cool and capcom is nailing these resident evil games 
another title that is coming and this is super exciting because it's going to be one of the launch titles for the ps5 it's coming in holiday 2020 and this is the spider-man sequel it's the miles morales game and ryan you were saying that this was set up really well in the dlc at the end mm -hmm. of the previous spider-man yeah, so Miles Morales obviously features uh, quite a bit in the Spider-Man game, and then in the DLC, uh, they they do some they do some further setup to the point where at the end of that DLC, it's like, yeah, well, as you can see, Miles Morales is also a spider. Now there are Spider Men, right? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it, well, I mean, you see, it I don't in the know, I don't know very much about that. I didn't play through the DLC, and I didn't, um, I didn't do very much. Um, well, most of the deal, like if you played the main game, uh, and which I know you, you finished the main game, right? No, I didn't. No. Oh, I thought you had. Um, no. Well, anyways, in the main game, uh, well, yeah, he, I he, fell off Spider Man really. I really thought bad. You finished it. I thought we had that. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. No, like I, I got to uh, the last fight that I remember was like there was was it like in a museum or something? There were kind of like four. Mm. I remember a big open room with like four pillars and then a really big dude. Yeah, it's been a, it's I been would, a long time. I would say it's yeah, been so a while, but it's only been a couple of years. But 2020 feels like it's been going for a while. So, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, anyways, point is, yeah, no, I didn't. I got I got probably like two thirds of the way through, maybe. I don't know. So there's some um, stuff that happens uh, in between, you know, Miles Morales being a, a kid in the Spider-Man game. And then in this Miles Morales uh, game, uh, him being him being a, a Spider-Man of his own right. And I think the DLC basically uh, the DLC is he is calling you, Peter Parker, and and saying, oh, when are we going to do our training? And and at the end of that DLC, you do get a, a quick snippet of of him doing some of that training so we do they do very much set it up um now there's been some confusion about this game it is coming holiday 2020 so launch very close to the, either the launch or the launch window of the ps5 um but some people were saying first sony was saying oh it's a it's an expansion with the main game so they're remastering it but then insomniac the developers of the game have actually confirmed this is a standalone experience uh, it's a it's a new game. It's not Spider-Man 2, but it is Spider-Man Miles Morales, and we'll know more about what that means in the coming months because this was really just an announcement trailer. There's been no talk of scope or where the game is taking place, but the rumors are is that this game is Spider... It, you're playing as... It's Mora Miles Morales' story in the city of New York with seasons. You see that in the trailer. So the city of New York that was present in the main game that they've kind of brought into this ps5 experience and then maybe some new locales i think they were talking about adding brooklyn uh maybe to the game and i mean i don't know my new york fairly well maybe brooklyn was already <laughs> in there but i remember them talking about adding a new section of the city and it would be a smaller experience similar to something like uh, infamous first light or last light and uh uncharted lost legacy so uh so not a not a full fledged game, not a but full AAA yeah. standalone, but yeah. not a not an add on, not an add on, sort of an experience in between. So the scope of those experiences you kind of see in some existing PlayStation titles, and I will say that probably doesn't make purchasing a console specifically for this worth it. But in 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 com in combination with other experiences, it's certainly a a worthy thing to check out i mean it's tempting 
to i really do want to play this because i love the spider-man game and, and i love what they're setting up with this trailer but uh it really comes down to cost right um mm-hmm. but yeah it looks super cool and it looks great too uh it's gonna be tough because i really liked spider-man you loved spider-man I you loved were it. so into that game for so long <laughs> oh man it was um it was everything i needed and wanted from a spider-man game and that's where i'm like yeah yeah it's gonna be tough for me to not want to buy a playstation 5 specifically for this knowing what's coming down the road because again this is what we've got from sony now but we don't have from microsoft is like what is microsoft going to follow up with we've got halo like that's not that is a game it's a full game but it's not enough to to drive uh, that purchase for say a year's worth of games like i think sony gave us a year to two years worth of games to look forward to with this presentation yeah i think the majority of the titles we saw other than spider-man were 2021 release dates or they didn't give a date which then makes me think i think there was one that said 2022 yeah the one of the capcom projects i think was 2022 yeah but i think the majority of the rest of them were 2021 or no date So I think that, you know, they have they've given us a pretty good probably first 18 months or so is what I would kind of guess in terms of uh, release dates for these games. And uh, yeah, like so you're right. I was that was literally going to be my question to you as someone who is a Halo fan. um, Now that you've seen Spider-Man release and then Halo release, like what is driving you one way or another? I'm a little surprised that, you know, to hear your reaction about Spider-Man and being like, maybe I just need to buy it for Spider-Man. I'm like, damn, it's an, it's an <laughs> investment from, from my standpoint, it's an investment. And I think when you look at the hardware and you look at Halo, I have a computer right now that should be able to uh, handle Halo Infinite. I have an Xbox One X that should be able to handle Halo Infinite at a level that I'm comfortable with. Um, but when you look at what Sony's presenting, these are... These are console exclusive experiences that you can't get on a PC. And I know I appreciate Microsoft giving me the option, but I I can't. They kind of shot themselves in the foot, right? <laughs> I mean, we've had this conversation many times when people have written in saying like some people don't have a PC and, and, and that's fine. Like that's perfect. You should go buy an Xbox Series X if you're not interested in a gaming PC. But we're a little different and then we have all of these options and we're going to use them to our to our full uh, capacity. So when I look at this holiday and I look at two $600 boxes, I'm first off only picking one or none. And then I'm looking at the games and saying, well, if I can play Halo on my PC and any Microsoft game on my PC, now where it comes back to um, like, when do I buy an Xbox Series X? Well, it's when my PC can't keep up with the new games, right? Yeah. Which, which is yeah. going to, which is going to come. Um, I'm already struggling with, with some games. I'm having to take down settings that I feel uncomfortable with. Like, you know, I want to play it at a higher setting, but it's just not running. So there will come a time when I have to decide, do I upgrade my computer or do I buy an Xbox Series X to get those Microsoft experiences? But when to it comes to PlayStation, yeah. you have no option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it's it's more about price and it's more about what what is what is the scope of this miles morales game like is it is it a big enough experience where i want to buy in or is it a experience that i can wait to play when 
say uh, Ratchet and Clank comes out, you know, mm-hmm. because that is a game that I'm not going to be able to keep away from because I love that franchise. Right. So so let's talk a little bit about Ratchet and Clank now, because that was another one that I think people went a little bit nutso for. And I, again, don't have any experience really with Ratchet and Clank. But um, this to me looked and it's probably because it was shown as like part trailer, part gameplay, but it looked a little bit chaotic. It looked kind of cool at first. And then I definitely got a whole lot of feels when they showed that, you know, Ratchet and Clank got separated. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. It it looked a little bit and kind of the overarching thing that I noticed about all of these games and all of these trailers. And I kept texting it to Ryan is I was just like, oh, my God, the number of particles in these games it's like they're trying to put as many spots in so that they can take advantage of the ability to like render dots or something Mm -hmm. in this freaking playstation because like i noticed it on a lot of different games that there were you know uh particles of dust in light or you know like just characters with spell effects that were like particulate matter and stuff and in ratchet and clank I noticed that the scenes that they showed in game were full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was just there were objects rendered all over the place and you were also collecting a currency of what looked like nuts and bolts. Um and they were just flying everywhere all the time. So they would like explode out of enemies. You'd get like what looked like like 25 to 30 nuts and bolts would fly out of something when you killed it and then they flew into you in this like vacuuming kind of motion. Um, and it was, it just made the whole game look really cluttered to me. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I'm again, I'm not tied to this franchise. So Ryan, what did you think about the, the Ratchet and Clank reveal? Yeah. I, I think Ratchet and Clank uh, was a big part of the reason I love the PlayStation three. I, I came to PlayStation three quite late, but I ended up playing all of the Ratchet and Clank main series on there. And then when they had the PS4 game, uh, I really enjoyed it. And and it's always been one of those games that really shows off the capabilities of a system because you're not going for photorealism. You're going for sort of cartoonish Pixar-like look. So Ratchet and Clank has always been, even back in the PS3 days, was that experience of playing a Pixar film. And I think we're getting much, much closer to actually playing a Pixar film with with this new Ratchet and Clank game, Rift Apart. Really? Um, because I think that there was another one that they talked about. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, and it's not highlighted in this article. But hmm. um, it was the one that um, had like the girl with all of those like little dudes following her oh, around. Kenna or Kina or something. Kina, yeah, that one. That mm. looked to me like when I saw it, I was just like, man, that looks super cool. And it like you can't even tell the difference in animations or anything between what looks like a cutscene and what looks like gameplay. Like that to me looks like playing through a Pixar movie. Like that looks just like playing through an animated movie. Yeah. It was so smooth and so well done and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, I can't wait for this game to come out. <laughs> and and that one's coming to PC as well, I believe. Um, yeah. And and I mean, and uh, Ratchet and Clank, that's, that's a PS5 experience that you're only going to get there. No date provided, but it really... The other thing that Insomniac's always done with the Ratchet and Clank series 
especially on um, PS3, PS4, was showcasing the the specific capabilities of a system. And you see that in sort of the portal style. This is about a uh, like dimensions uh, clashing. Yeah. And when they talked about the technology and, and being able to seamlessly load from one area to another, you're seeing them load from one world to another where you are constantly shifting between two states of a single single space but also two spaces at at like in an instant which is um is it's crazy like we haven't experienced that uh in in a game to, to this magnitude so it's really interesting that they're they're leading i did not expect this i did not expect insomniac to reveal two games like because they're spider-man as well right right i mean i know they have two teams but uh i mean yeah it's it's really great to see ratchet and clank still still trucking for sure uh but yeah and and speaking of um kino which is one of the the smaller titles that they showed some of the other things that i thought were really looked really interesting in terms of some of those smaller ones were um death loop which is something that we'd seen already previously but we got a, an actual like gameplay trailer and mm-hmm. this one it looks really kind of interesting and it didn't catch my attention when we saw it i guess at e3 last year but with the gameplay trailer this is kind of interesting it's like a first person shooter roguelike that it looks like you could maybe have somebody else drop into your game and play the rival assassin almost like this is interesting to me mm-hmm. and uh the, you know the cool thing about i i don't know if it's cool but uh death loop and uh ghostwire tokyo the two bethesda games those are console exclusives to the ps4 mm-hmm. timed console exclusives so if you want to play it on a console you're going to play it on ps5 first and and xbox series x later the the concept of Deathloop, it, it does look really interesting and, and a cool take on sort of the arcane sort of FPS gameplay. And I, I felt like it had a lot of uh, a lot of personality as well, which is something you don't see like you've, you're seeing it more and more in first person shooters. But I'm really glad that they're they're ratcheting up. I think there was a lot of personality in, in these characters they were putting forward. So it looks like a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. No date, it but it looks fun. Yeah. Uh, And then there were a couple of other kind of interesting, cute, fun little titles. So the first one was, I mean, I was getting so, so enticed by this title even before they revealed the hook at the end. But Stray is all about this like dystopian, all the humans are dead, like (laughs) robot apocalypse world almost. Like it just, it looks so cool. Or I guess not apocalypse, but... um, dystopian future i guess where all the humans are dead and there's robots and the robot designs are so cool they have like screens for faces that basically just make these like emojis which Mm -hmm. i love (laughs) it's like yeah i just i couldn't get enough of the robots and then you know there there's kind of these cats roaming around too and then at the end it kind of reveals like you get to play as a cat you are the cat (laughs) you are the cat in this game and i was just like man I am. I was so into it when I thought I was going to play a robot and have a cat pet, and now I just get to be the cat pet, and it's everything I wanted in a game. <laughs> did you Did you ever watch? Uh, there's a Netflix animated series. It's Death Loving Robots. Did you ever watch? Yes. Yeah. So there's yes. a specific uh, episode that came to mind when I watched this trailer, and it's very similar, where all the humans are dead, 
now the robots are the main characters and there's a cat and I, that shows up and it's it's actually so if you haven't seen it uh, like listeners definitely check it out because it reminded me so much of this trailer but this is the this is the type of these there's a lot of games that they showcased uh, in this presentation that we always forget about at the start of a generation as these smaller titles that technically yes would be possible on current generation hardware but these are the games that that you're going to be playing alongside the bigger titles because we're going to need need stuff to play so this it's really exciting that they put these experiences in here you know um there was another one similarly not similarly strange but really crazy strange it was the um the bug snacks or something yes okay that's the one i was gonna talk about yes those bug snacks and this one i was so oh my god i was so <laughs> in love with this because you're following this little like strawberry and there's this sounds like a documentary like commentator yeah. over top and this strawberry has, is like walking on its leaves like legs and it's got these big, huge black and white googly eyes and it's the most adorable little thing ever. And this documentary guy is talking about, you know, the, the little creature and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it shows the, the guy who's speaking and he's this kind of like furry, like walrus tusk kind of cartoon character and he picks up the little strawberry and he's holding it and again he's saying more things like a nature documentary and then all of a sudden he pops it in his mouth and eats it and goes hasty too and i was like oh what you ate a thing with eyes what are you doing man (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah i just i absolutely lost it and then his limbs turned into strawberries so basically this whole game seems to be like run around and eat stuff and then you'll turn into it. Like it just, oh my God, I couldn't even. And near the end, he's like, he's talking to one of the other characters in the game or one of the other characters of the game runs up to him and says something about like, hey, I'm trying to do a thing, but you know, my wiener hands. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, this is, this game is made for me. <laughs> and the theme song's so catchy. Oh, uh, if you haven't seen this trailer, and I don't know how you haven't, but if you haven't seen this trailer, guys, you need to go check it out because this thing looks ridiculous. And I like to the point that I don't even know if it's meant for kids or if it's meant yeah. for adults or if it's like, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know what this well, is, but I just love it. <laughs> I know. So here's here's what I know. I, I know Caden wants to play it. He saw the trailer and he's like, I really want to play that game. When can we play the you know, the game where you, your limbs change is like, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> like, all right, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, it is coming to PS4 as well. It's a game made by the uh, Octodad developers. I think it's Crazy Horse or something. So we'll be able to experience it at, at not a not a next-gen price tag. But uh, it was definitely the weirdest trailer they had. It was, and I just loved it. <laughs> it was very good, and again, they they did not hold back on the weird little little experiences that we're going to be playing. And I think that one is also uh, holiday twenty twenty, like it's coming out this year, so mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Yeah, and I am I am really really stoked for that experience. I think it's going to be great. So, um, I mean, uh, are there any other kind of like of the larger experiences that you wanted to kind of highlight before we talk about? you know, the elephant in the room. Yeah. yeah. Literally. <laughs> so I think the, there's, um, Returnal, which is, if we're looking at new IPs, uh, that one looks really oh, that one. interesting. 
Really? Oh, I'm glad you were into it. I was bored. <laughs> it's it's I think it's very what they're trying to lay down is very hard to to sort of uh portray. Get across in a trailer. Yeah, get a tra- get across in a trailer. So I'm at least interested. I like Housemark. They they make some really interesting games. This one's outside of their wheelhouse and that they're usually making, you know, um uh shoot 'em ups. This one appears to be more of like an adventure game and I and I do like the idea of uh of this sort of you know, death loop, you know, die another day type thing. <laughs> uh, and, and I realized I said death loop, not even realizing like that's the name of another game. But... <laughs> that's the name of a game, literally, but that they looks, also talked about. Yeah, It looks interesting. <laughs> but it's, would... it's a roguelike, right? It's a, it's a, you die, you come back, you try again. Yeah, but it looks more narrative in the sense that when you're dying, yeah, every you're... time is a little different. Like yeah. you're, you're, when you die, you go insane almost and it changes the landscape. Yeah. So from a sci-fi standpoint, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm interested to see more about that. Uh, there's like a sack boy adventure game that I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. Making. That I was surprised wasn't called little big planet, whatever number we're on there. Three or four. Uh, it would be four. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the original was, what was it? It was PS three. So they had one and two on PS. Yeah. And then three on, yeah yeah so uh, so we are getting a stack boy one and but it looks awesome i mean it's the kind of like it's little big planet awesome yeah exactly exactly so this is it very much looks like a mario adventure game and um it's i like sack boy uh i think you know when you talk about sony desperate to make a nintendo level sort of mascot i think sack boy is the closest that you're that you're going to get that they actually that they actually own mm-hmm. um but yeah outside of that like you know i'm not big on demon souls i'm glad they're remaking it for the people who are excited about that but when i saw that trailer i was like oh god i had flashbacks to actually <laughs> playing demon souls i'm like no no thank you but i'm happy for those folks that are that are excited but there was a big one uh near the end that i think both of us were stoked about yeah and and really quickly before we do jump into that i wanted Mm. to make a very very quick mention of ghostwire tokyo and Mm. i don't know if this is because uh they were trying to although we did have resident evil so maybe not i don't know i'm hopeful that this is going to be a little creepier than it appeared because i got crazy like super hot vibes if you guys remember that like Oh my god, how many years ago? Was that like 2 years ago maybe that Super Hot came out? Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of like you would you it was like a shooter but like all of the dudes were like nondescript like just plain figures and they would explode in these like red cubes and some of the gameplay that they showed from Ghostwire Tokyo was definitely giving me Super Hot vibes and I don't necessarily mind that style except that it seemed to kind of clash with what I was hoping was going to be a like super creepy Japanese horror game. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited to play that game. And then when I saw the gameplay and I saw this kind of like stylized combat, I'm a little bit on the fence about it now. I'm still excited to see it like story wise. And I hope that there's some sort of kind of explanation about why things look the way they do. I also noticed that a lot of the enemies that you were fighting against were the same enemy, but in a lot of different places. So I hope there's some variation in the creep factor, but uh, I'm still probably going to check it out, but I'm not as excited about Ghostwire Tokyo as I was before we saw the gameplay. Because con- like conceptually, I think it looks awesome, 
But then in practice, it looks like they maybe made some decisions that are going to kind of pull me out of the immersion. They might be able to explain it away with like context, which I'm kind of hoping that they do. But uh, like some sort of like, I really like when they mesh like cyberpunk stuff with like magic. And I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be a mesh of like a traditional like mythology, creepy Japanese horror smooshed in with like some future tech stuff, you know, those I like the marriage of cyberpunk and magic. So maybe this will actually work, but um, I'm kind of reserving judgment until I see a little bit more. Yeah, well, they've definitely showed us like this is actual like it was actual gameplay of it was of, gameplay, yeah, of Tokyo uh, or Ghost was it Ghost? What is it? Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. I was saying that and I was like that doesn't sound right, but um, I think the original trailer that we got at E three was very much just a concept trailer. This is it actual, was yeah. I didn't and know it, what was, was going on. Super creepy. Yeah, it was <laughs> and creepy. I loved it. I was I was so in love with it when I saw the original trailer. Yeah. No, I I it was creepy. But I didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> I still don't, and I'm excited that people are excited about it. And I'll check, you know, I'll I'll definitely look more at it when it when we get closer to launch for it. But I had no idea what was happening. It all looked very like confusing with the first person and the cutscenes and stuff. I was like, I, I, yeah, it. I'm, I'm interested <laughs> to see more about it. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we had what I think was the best announcement of next gen. I am so excited for this. We are getting a new Horizon game, which we kind of already knew, but we got a full like trailer uh, again, not not gameplay, but a full trailer for the new Horizon game, Horizon Forbidden West. And mm. I am so excited. Like I could not be more excited for this game because not just because it's it's the follow up to probably my favorite game of all time. Like I'm I'm pretty much at the point that I think I can just say that that sure. Horizon is like just my straight up favorite game but um they really nailed a whole lot of what I thought made Horizon great in the first place they had this like really intricate kind of storytelling voiceover that was true to the the Aloy character that I remember. They're bringing back the the bad guy that kind of we we last saw in the post credit scene at the end of the first game. They are staying true to an environment that's also doing some recovery. So they've got the kind of natural overlaid over top of like the fallen tech, which is also really cool and mm -hmm. so central to Horizon's story they're still talking about you know the old ones and and everything else the visuals were amazing and it just it really also kind of dug into the tribal and like nomadic themes that were also in Horizon Zero Dawn in that it looks almost like um the bad guys like created like a new tribe almost I don't know but it just mm -hmm it all seemed to really show that they understood what was so good and so magical about Horizon Zero Dawn. And they've carried that forward into a new adventure for Aloy. And from some of the landmarks that we saw, it looks like she's heading uh, kind of to San Francisco. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that that is uh, that is one of the most interesting parts about the first one was this uh this new world layered onto our current world and you're experiencing yes, yeah. a 
not only are you experiencing a far future, but you're experiencing uh, a close future to to our current you know uh, time frame. Like you were, I think it was like 2025 or 2032 or something. You were learning more about that time frame on top of learning about this however many years i can't remember whether they actually nailed it down but it was like maybe tens of thousands of years and the story you i think it's a thousand years a thousand years okay yeah Yeah. well the the story you unveil in that first game it really looks like they're building upon that in this one with sort of the corruption that you're seeing like they're the the world seems to be uh again the 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 i think that i'm trying not to spoil the the first one but there was this theme in the first one of the world sort of fighting back against humanity like humanity being around was not the quote-unquote plan right and then in the second game you see that very much like there's this mysterious red vine thing that's killing you know living creatures and and Mm -hmm. and and, uh, damaging sort of the world and it kind of feels like another an extension of that story of like this this big mythical reset button right so once again alloy is having to uh to do to fight that you know and figure out and stop this 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 corruption again and and i really i really like that idea um i really like that story and and if this is a planned sort of two of three games in terms of telling a a larger story uh, i'm really exciting to see what kind of world building they do not just because we with the trailer we really get new locale new monsters new new robots and stuff and the robot right, designs yeah. are just man they uh they They're really so nailed good. it it's so and good. okay those those elephants are straight out of lord of the rings like straight out in the the scene where they're you know coming across the plains towards ministerith and yeah, that then Legolas like runs up and and mm-hmm. kills one all by himself, and Gimli gets all mad and it still counts as one. It's like I was an elephant; that uh, should yes. be more than one. Like you know that scene. Yeah, this is straight out of that. <laughs> yeah, and and the visual definitely again, an homage. <laughs> yeah, the visuals that you you so you can watch. So if you go to PlayStation's YouTube channel, if you have a 4K television, go to the YouTube channel, uh, YouTube app, load up the PlayStation channel, watch the 4K footage of this game and i'm just we're just looking at screenshots i am assuming while we're, we're talking about this and there's a screenshot yep. of her underwater and it just mm. you know you look at some of the shots where she's like you know she's readying her bow and it's like yeah it kind of looks like an up version of horizon but then you see that shot of her underwater and it looks like a different uh it it very much looks like a different platform that you're playing this on and i and, I, and this is this is what we we're looking for when it comes to uh, a next generation, I think. And well, yeah, you mentioned the underwater scenes, and that was when it kind of really hit me as well because there's there's one scene where she's swimming underwater, mm-hmm. but then there are the the crocodilian. Um, I can't remember exactly what they were. The snap? No, wait, not snappers. Anyways, I can't remember what they were called in the first game, but basically the, the mechanical crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the trailer, she's swimming underneath one of those. And it's just like, I mean, everybody knows what underwater scenes look like in games right now. And this looked totally different. Like this looked like clear and crisp, but still underwater. And, you know, there were so many um, details. And I mean, I know I ripped on and you guys are probably going to say it's just because it's Horizon. That's the only reason you like it. But like I totally ripped on, you know, particles and, and rendering in some of the other games. And it was basically like 
I, I think I even sent you the the Ian Malcolm gif of the, you know, they were too busy trying to figure out if they could. They didn't stop and think if they should. <laughs> That's how particles to me felt in a lot of those games. And then I look at Horizon and some of the underwater scenes with like schools of what looks like maybe like anchovies or something, but tiny little silverfish. Hmm. And they're kind of swimming around in these giant clusters and they look amazing. And you have that on top of, you know, rendering the ground and everything else and your actual character and then the like i said the crocodile robot that swims over top of you with like all the seaweed and stuff like it just it's absolutely gorgeous and i can't believe that it's a video game and not like a movie <laughs> like it looks that good <laughs> yeah no yeah it, it looks great uh, the sort of open world that they tease in this trailer looks to be much much larger uh in terms of its again its scope and i mean you see one screenshot where she's running alongside um what appears to be the golden gate bridge and then another mm -hmm. shot where you see these flying creatures and in the distance is the golden gate bridge and i think that's what the original did so well as this like large connected world so i i'm really looking forward to to seeing it and i and i mean them unveiling this game and what we saw of it I can see this being a, a holiday 2021 release. Like this is this is the this is the Mario Odyssey to when they launched the Nintendo Switch and that they showed off Mario Odyssey and that was their tail end of of that release year, you know. I think this is the tail end of their the release year for the PS5 this game. So I I don't think it's I don't think this is going to be as long a wait as what we as what we had with the original Horizon when when, when it was sort of unveiled at e3 i think it was like a two or three year wait for that one i think this one's going to be a uh like just a year so we'll be playing yeah it. and we should talk about the release date because this is really going to dictate basically when i get a playstation and i was surprised in at my own reaction because literally when it got to the end and they didn't show a release date and i'm like okay so this means it's not a launch title and i felt this like wave of relief because I'm like, oh, good. So it's not going to be a launch title. So maybe that means when it comes out in probably 2021, um, they're going to do some sort of bundle. There's going to be like a PlayStation 5 Horizon uh, Forbidden West. I always like, want to call it Horizon Zero Dawn 2, but it's Horizon Forbidden West. And uh, I think they're going to do a bundle. Mm -hmm. Hopefully with some sort of like collector's edition that will actually have like a horizon themed controller and console. And then I will pay as many dollars as they want to get that. <laughs> and it means that I don't have to worry about getting a PlayStation five on launch. Yeah. Basically, and, and this, I, is, this is my flagship. I will buy the console when this comes out title. It, it is definitely for me as well. I think um, when you look at everything we've talked about, uh, I think there's, a, there's more titles uh, than just horizon that would, that would have me buying the, the day one sort of that's the day I buy it. But I mean, a fully fledged Spider-Man game, a fully fledged God of War, maybe a fully fledged Ratchet and Clank. But when you look at Horizon uh, Forbidden West, like that, that is the game. Like, okay, if none of those other experiences do it, this one's going to do it. Um, and I mean, Sony's been very good at releasing sort of bundles. Uh, they love their, you know, they did one for Death Stranding. They're doing one for Last of Us Part Two. It's something they tend to do like later on in the generation to kind of encourage people to to buy more consoles, whether they'll do it in the first year, who knows. But um, this seems like a good game to, to do a bundle with. Right. Because mm -hmm. you could you could have some fun with that design. 
Yeah. I'm just. Oh, I, it looks I'm amazing. So I'm going to watch this trailer it, after we finish talking. I'm, I'm literally, <laughs> I have the trailer playing in the background right now, oh, okay. not with any sound or anything, but just like to just see the images again, like it just, oh man. And there's, there's so much going on again. Like I said, it seems like they're really doing a good job knowing what was so interesting about horizon in the first place. And they're bringing some of those themes into this one without like overdoing it. It looks like now, obviously I haven't played through it. I don't know if they overdo it, but it looks like a very good successor to horizon that they understand what made the first game great. And they're doing more of that. So, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I can't wait. Can't wait. It looks so amazing. It'll be here before you know it. I, I would peg this late 2021, early 2022 because uh, Forbidden West did come out, uh, or sorry, oh man, I did the opposite. <laughs> Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn <laughs> came out in, I think, uh, like March time frame. And uh, there was talk in Discord about, oh, like, I hope this, this, I hope Breath of the Wild 2 doesn't launch around Forbidden West. And like, you know what? I'm, I'm one of those folks who liked both games. So I'm hoping they try to stay as far away from each other as possible because I think both breath of the wild and zero dawn kind of kind of got in each other's way and i mean zero dawn being a new ip uh couldn't compete in that conversation of a, yeah, of a it, console it launch of breath short, of the wild yeah it got the short end of the stick for sure yeah. what i'm really interested to know is when the actual uh, pc release of horizon zero dawn is going to happen because i think that when that happens there's going to be even more interest in um forbidden west because pc gamer like there's there's a huge portion of the gaming audience that still hasn't played this title because it is a PlayStation exclusive. So when that PC launch actually happens and more people get a chance to get their hands on this game, like I think I'm just going to do another, a full on another playthrough when it comes out on PC. I'm just going to buy it on PC and play it all again because it was that good. And I can't wait to see what it's actually going to look like and feel like on my PC versus my, my like launch edition PlayStation (laughs) four. Yeah. It's supposed to be uh, August, I think. So, and I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm kind of, kind of thinking I might want to play it again. um, Yeah. On, on PC. So it's supposed to be this summer no no actual release date just summer 2020 but yeah that's the thing that we don't have a release date which is why i'm kind of cautious to say anything about when i think it might come because we don't know what kind of um 2020 related delays it might have true that's very true although it's it's uh their development is based in amsterdam so they might be yeah, handling true. this pandemic a little better than some countries so <laughs> not pointing any fingers no, but <laughs> not pointing any fingers at other you know locations the developers might be in but uh yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i honestly i i honestly don't know but uh it, this this trailer looks very far along like the the, the what they're showing here I mean, we didn't get actual gameplay but uh, but it a- seems like the the scenes that they showed seemed like they wouldn't necessarily uh go together there were a few different locations in terms of like climate and so it seems like you're right that they at least cinematically seem to be pretty far along in terms of their um, story and what they've actually put together. And yeah, the it's they've done a lot of work, which makes me happy because I mean, like they started putting job postings up years ago. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a few years in development at this point. So, I mean, I think I would come down in the camp of 2021 mm-hmm. i think well i just maybe even yeah i wonder if it's going to be like early 2021 
or maybe they're like aiming for, you know, a March release in 2021 and they just didn't want to say anything in case they have to push it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, maybe cautiously optimistic. I think my 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 core takeaway from from this whole presentation was out of all the games they showed, Horizon Forbidden West was the one I wanted to see more of at any point in the near future. Like just I want to know more about what they're doing with this game. I want to see more. I just I I need I need more because honestly, like this three minutes was a lot, but wasn't enough. I need wasn't nearly enough. No. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that was everything that we took away from the PS5 uh, reveal. Obviously, you guys, there's there were a lot more games that were shown. There's a lot more to talk about, but we are already running long. So (laughs) we're going to cut it there. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We want to know what your thoughts on the PS5 are. There have been quite a lot of conversations over in the discord. So if you would like to join them, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Brian is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.